The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dale Spencer, your host, and of course, you are listening to History Island on LI News Radio 103.9. Um, my special guest host tonight is Robert Von Barnowitz from Setauket, Stony Brook area. We've had him on the show before. We have a very nice show for you tonight. Tune in. We have some really interesting stuff for you. So we're, we're going to jump right into it tonight. And uh, we're going to start out with um, a special guest. Um, there's a, a new thing happening, um, an opening of a historic home, the Davis Town Meeting House. And we're going to hear about that. Um, Robert's going to tell us a little too. But we're going to have the vice president of that house organization, Suzanne Johnson, is going to be our special guest tonight. And she's going to tell us all about the house and what's going on. And they have a special opening happening soon. So anyway, without further ado, let's talk to Suzanne Johnson. Hey, good evening, Suzanne. Welcome to History Island. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Good. So it's a pretty exciting news about the home. Yes, it is. The Davis uh, Town Meeting House is uh, almost ready for its close-up. Oh, that's great. And um, now that's going to happen, I understand, uh, soft opening on December 4th, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, We have been uh, working on... uh, completing the restoration of the house for some time and people have been very anxious to see the house and so on that sunday december 4th the quorum civic association is holding their annual 13th annual uh holiday festival and they have a christmas tree lighting right on the front lawn of the davis town meeting house so we thought why not just open the doors uh, and when the tree lighting is over and let people come and walk through the first floor of the house. The second floor is still uh, getting its plaster redone. So, um, But we've, we've done some, finally, some moving some furniture around and placing exhibits in different areas, and we are very anxious to show the house uh, to the community. Oh, and I think a lot of us, I could speak for myself, we're all anxious to see it. That's a great thing. Um, That's great. Good. So now, um, give me a little bit of history about the house. Um, when was it originally built? It was built in about 1740. Um, it is a Brookhaven town landmark. And just uh, for identification purposes, it's at the corner of Mount Sinai Quorum Road and Middle Country Road in Quorum. Um, and that location is very important because that was the crossroads of Brookhaven Town. Um, of course, the, the, the seat of government for Brookhaven was in Setauket and then on the South Shore in Patrick. And so that when, when they needed to get together every April to vote on the issues of the day, say for president or for, for uh, other um, amendments that were coming up, they uh, met in quorum for almost 100 years at the Davis House, and that's why it's called the, the Davis Town Meeting House. The town meeting would be held there. And, of course, only the men would vote. Uh, but 
families would come, the women would come, there would be a whole day affair of cooking and exchanging gossip and maybe buying and selling some things. And so that's, uh, that festive uh, feeling is uh, what we hope to bring back to the Davistown Meeting House. Oh, that's really great. I know um, Robert is here, and he's uh, one of your colleagues working on this project also. Hi, Suzanne. Uh, yeah. Do you want to let um, Dale and the listeners know a little bit about the revolutionary incident that supposedly happened there? Well, sure. The uh, The Davis family is very patriotic. They're, it's the birthplace of a number of uh, soldiers who served in the Revolutionary War. Um, one was... Isaac Davis who was born in 1740 and lived to 1814. Um, and the story that gets told quite often is the story of Goldsmith Davis, born in 1756. And uh, he had to uh, escape from the British uh, and uh, went down a well and had to be rescued uh, uh, and did not get captured by the British because uh, he was hiding down in this well. But the um, we do have a we do recreate that event sometimes uh, uh, when the Third New York Regiment visits us uh, at our annual craft sales. So it's there. The later on there was also uh, the militia would practice in uh, in the Quorum area, and also of course we had the famous burning of the hay that took place in Quorum. Uh, when the uh, the hay that was being stored to feed the British horses uh, was burned by local patriots who had visited the manor of St. George down in Mastic, and on their way back to Mount Sinai, they uh, set fire to this uh, 300-ton pile of hay. Later, General George Washington, later the president, uh, commended the soldiers for that heroic act that took place right here in Quorum. And uh, right on the property of the Davistown Meeting House, there is a uh, cemetery, a family cemetery, where a lot of the revolutionary soldiers are buried. That's right. We just had a, uh, we had the, uh, the cemetery has been uh, cleaned and broken stones repaired through a generous grant from the Robert David Lyon Gardner Foundation. And so uh, we had a rededication of that cemetery, and we were given a new sign from the Sons of the American Revolution designating our cemetery, our Davis Family Cemetery, as an important site um, as we look forward to commemorating the 250th uh, anniversary of the American Revolution in 2026. Wow. That's um, you guys are the stewards of an, another amazing piece of Long Island history, and that's really great. Yes. And I just want to give a shout out to the Gardner Foundation because they do such great work helping all our historical organizations preserve and, yes. and restore what there is, and um, we love them too. Um, so now you guys, um, when, uh, do you have hours where you generally think you're going to be open when you get up the house open? Well, that, we're probably looking at, like, next spring, next summer for that. Um, a lot of times, um, historic house museums maintain hours on the weekends so that um, families can come through the house. Um, but at first, it may—I it, I, I can't really say 
um, we're going to try and have it open as much as possible so that people can see it and come and hear the stories of what took place in that house. I just want to mention one thing that um, this Davistown Meeting House is in the, the uh, hamlet of Corum, and any local residents of Corum is welcome to join our society in helping out and preserving the house. Oh, okay. Can you give me some contact information, how some uh, potential volunteers might be able to get in touch with you? We do have a website, uh, davistownmeetinghousesociety.org, and there is a, uh, a, an email link uh, on there, info at davistownmeetinghouse.org. We don't have a phone in the house right now, uh, so the, uh, the, the contact, uh, the email uh, contact from the website, I would say, would, is that what I would recommend. Oh, okay. That's great. So people can get in touch with you that way. So come on out there, Quorum residents. This would be a great place to do some volunteering, and you would have it, find it an amazing experience. Working with these historical houses and groups is a one-of-a-kind thing, and you'll learn things about history you never thought you would know. I, yeah, I'd like to give— to have, Oh, sorry. I'd just like to give out a, a, a shout-out to Mary Ann Douglas, uh, the president of the society. I believe she's listening in. Uh, she does a lot of great work as well. Oh, that's sure. great. She got, the, she got the group started, that's for sure. Oh, she got the group started. Well, thank you, Mary Ann. I'm sure you're out there listening tonight, and that's really great. Uh, we are going to uh, go to a commercial in a minute, but um, well, I guess what we're going to have to do is in the spring, when you think that you know your summer hours and when you're going to be around, we're just going to have to have you back on the show so you can reiterate all that and let us know when people can go visit. That's uh, a wonderful idea. Thank so, you so much, Bill. Oh, yeah. No, thank you for coming on. So remember, everybody, December 4th, 3 p.m., go on down to the house and um, you can have a watch a Christmas tree lighting and get a look at the house. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. So we're going to go to a break. Um, this is History Island on LI News Radio 103.9. And, of course, I'm your host, Dale Spencer, with my special co-host this week, Robert Von Bernowitz. everybody welcome back to the show so that was a great first segment about the great davis house and um everyone should go give it a visit okay so anyway now we have a really special special item on the agenda tonight um what's happening right now it's just ending and might still be going on is the long island music hall of fame and entertainment museum is opening this weekend in stony brook 
Um, Friday will be the first day that they'll be open to the public. And right now they're having a gala with some of the luminaries and the board members and the different people who are involved with the hall. Um, and um, so anyway, it was a great event. I was down there a little while ago. And uh, hey, let's check in. Uh, we still have our reporter, Larry Farrell, down at the scene. Uh, let's see what's going on with Larry. Yeah. Hey, hey, Larry, what's going on down there? Dale, it's an amazing night in Stony Brook tonight. That's all I'll say. Jen Chapin just finished singing two songs. Then Elliot Murphy played a couple of songs, flew in from um, France. And now, live, is Zebra playing. And we're going to be playing that while I'm on the air. They're just getting started. Oh, my God. That is an amazing, wonderful thing. Hundreds of people, everybody who loves music from all ages are here. They are having a ball. There's, there's no stopping this, this evening. So, so here, we, here we go. Zebra's ready to get started. Okay, so uh, let's listen in for a minute and see what it sounds like over the air right now. Right, we're going to change. They've, they've had a couple of scenes uh, that they're setting up. It's their first time tonight ever playing on the stage. So there, 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 there are moments okay. where it slow down, but the crowd, the crowd is ready to go. This is from uh, the third Zebra record. From the third Zebra record. If you can, can you hear the music? Uh, I can't tell. It's not playing yet. So it's uh, on the first floor. All of the displays are based upon the, the nightclub of Japan. Then upstairs is all the inductees and photographs and pictures of of all of the um, people who are in this Hall of Fame. Wow. Here we go. Okay, and here we go. Zebra.
Thanks, Larry. After the break, we'll get back to you and hear more about that, okay? Stay on hold there. Okay. So anyway, folks, you've been listening to Zebra actually playing live at the celebration for the just-opening Long Island Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. Um, an amazing event. Lots of performers um, um, are playing there tonight. Sorry, we're trying to work this technically out. I figured even with the quality, I'd leave that on for you. I don't know how many of you have spent your childhood and your young days seeing Zebra in the different halls on Long Island. Uh, how about you, Rob? Oh, I used to see Zebra at the Mad Hatter on Sunday nights. I think it was like $3 to get in. That's I was right. there every Sunday. That's right. It, and they put on such a show, the place was packed every Sunday night. Yes, I used to be at the Mad Hatter many times myself. And uh, also, I used to go to a little place called Chaucer's Ale House in Oakdale on Montauk Highway. And Zebra used to love to play there. And um, when I was down at the event tonight, I was talking with them a little bit about that. And they fondly remember those days. Now, of course, the amazing thing, for those of you who don't know, you think of Zebra as a band from the past. But the truth is, Zebra has not really ever broken up. They always have existed, and they're still a band, and they go out and they play here and there. They graced us with their presence tonight at this amazing event with all the luminaries who are in the Hall of Fame brought in tonight, um, the board members. The place is packed. I was down there for about an hour and a half. I met so many amazing people there. We'll talk a little more about that. Um, but um, it's great to see people like Jen Chapin and Zebra on the stage playing. We don't even know who's coming up next. Um, we're going to talk to Larry in a little while, and let's see what more Larry has to report from us from the scene there. Um, it's a crazy packed place tonight. Very exciting for Long Island. This is a big, big deal for Long Island to have this Hall of Fame open. It's not just another museum or another place on Long Island's landscape. It's an amazing piece of Long Island history, and it's going to keep inducting different people as it goes along. And the famous entertainers and the famous musicians will all have a home for their awards. Some of the displays are quite amazing. I urge everybody to go. 
So anyway, we're going to go to a break. And we're going to, after we come back from our break, we'll talk a little more about the museum and some of our musical memories. And we'll get back to our intrepid reporter, Larry Farrell, down at the scene and see what he has to say. Okay, y'all listening to History Island on 103.9 FM. And of course, I'm your host, Dale Spencer. Everybody, welcome back to this very special edition of History Island. I'm your host, Dale Spencer. My special guest is Robert von Bernowitz. He's my co-host tonight. And of course, we are right now talking about the brand new museum on Long Island, a very exciting project, the Long Island Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. It's opening in the Village Center in Stony Brook and the Heritage Center in the back of the Village Center parking lot. And it's a great, great museum. I can't even begin to, this hour show is not going to begin to describe what there is there to see. Uh, It's an amazing place. Um, Starting Friday, you can all go visit. It's going to be open Wednesday through Sunday every week. And it's going to be just an amazing place. So it's all about, hey, let's try something here. Let's go back for a minute and see what Larry Farrell is up to down at the scene. Hey, Larry. You might not be able to hear us. Hey, Larry. Okay, we'll go back to Larry in a minute. Um, so let's talk a little about uh, some of the people that are inducted there. And well, let's more talk about the first exhibit for the museum. The first exhibit the museum is going to have is going to be the Long Island club and music scene from the 50s to the 80s. Featuring clubs such as My Father's Place, Hammerheads. Tuies. Tuies, right. Um, Now, when you go into the museum, there is amazing video rooms. There's a screening room to screen videos. People are going to perform live there at times. As you know, in the last segment, you just heard Zebra playing there live. And it's, um, it's got one thing after another, artifacts from all the great artists. Uh, one of the great artifacts I love, by the way, is thank you, Billy. Billy Joel's Holy Davidson donated to the museum, so that's sitting in there. And it's got some company. It's sitting right next to Joan Jett's Jaguar. And that's a long story, Joan Jett's Jaguar. We'll talk about that on another show. But um, it's got guitars from different people. It's got the Vanilla Fudge band set up, um, the one they played on Ed Sullivan with. It honors all the Long Island musicians. So uh, what happened is, in the, if you were around in the, um, I wasn't around in the 50s, but in the 50s, right over where the museum is now, there was a great amphitheater that used to hold free concerts all the time. And um, actually, I'm going to let Robert talk a little bit about that. Yes, it, it actually sat um, <clears throat> right where the Heritage Center and the Long Island uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is, in a little depression behind the um, All Souls Church in Stony Brook, and it was a natural amphitheater that lasted at least 11 years, and it was primarily a jazz venue. You had bands like um, Buddy Rich, Duke Ellington, um, 
all the great jazz artists of the day. And it was quite successful for a while there. Um, they did have a little bit of competition, though, uh, with the emergence of rock and roll and the uh, venue at uh, Stony Brook University, Jim. Uh, that particular um, uh, venue uh, was a little bit of competition because they did bring major acts there. And um, it eventually kind of led to the demise of the amphitheater. Yeah, and I heard that what started happening was as Stony Brook really started ramping up its concert series, they started bringing, as well as the great rock bands, jazz musicians in too. So it was really in competition with what the amphitheater was doing. I've also heard a story that um, some neighbors complained about the noise from the amphitheater, and that apparently helped to shut the amphitheater down also. Um, well, that kind of thing happens like, you know, like Riverhead Raceway, right? The, yeah, race, yeah, the raceway's yeah. been there, they build a neighborhood around it, and all of a sudden it's a problem. Right. It's been there for <laughs> decades, but all of a sudden it becomes the problem in the neighborhood. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So um, now what happened at one point in the 60s is Stony Brook University started having concerts. Now, that's an easy statement to just make. Okay, Stony Brook had concerts. But what I guess I'm trying to say here is Stony Brook had one of the most amazing lineups of concerts over the 60s and 70s and 80s comparable to any place in the country, including New York City. Um, for example, Robert, you uh, you could name a few of those early acts. that. Oh, well, um, it's the who's who of rock and roll royalty. Uh, you had Pink Floyd, uh, the Allman Brothers with Dwayne Allman. Frank Zappa played many shows there. Canned Heat, uh, The Grateful Dead, The Band, The Birds. And even in the 70s, you had bands like The Talking Heads and Lou Reed. So um, uh, Janis Joplin, Cream, I could go on forever. Uh, a, lo a local a Long Island a group called The Vagrants, which uh, featured Leslie West, um, and we all know Leslie West because he's one of our Long Island uh, heroes. That's right, from Mountain. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. Now, um, one thing that had uh, two bands I will mention that played there in the same week, okay, 1967, Janis Joplin with Big Brother and the Holding Company, and I believe two days later, the Jimi Hendrix Experience. That's uh, San Francisco music at its best. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and it was probably about $2 a ticket. And it was these shows, many of the early ones, were held in the gym at Stony Brook. It's still there. And um, it was an amazing place. Now, what would happen is bands would come into New York City and they would play, say, the Fillmore East, which was, of course, the cathedral of music in that time. And what they would do is after they played in the Fillmore East, they would come out and they would play a show at Stony Brook University. The people booking the concerts in that day had an amazing ability to bring in the best of all different types of music. So it was an amazing place, Stony Brook University. I know I spent some of my youth there seeing some of the most amazing concerts that I had ever seen. Um, I can just mention a few. I saw the Kinks there, and it was a really, really great show. And um, when I was very young, I saw Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention there. I saw Frank Zappa there myself, but yes. I, saw, I saw him in 84. Oh, I was at that show also where he played a lot of guitar, and he did long guitar solos. Oh, yeah. One of the most amazing guitar players. Well, he used to do two shows a night. Yes. The early right. show and the late show. Yeah. 
And um, I saw him with Flo and Eddie from the Turtles, and that was a very bizarre show. Um, there was nothing like that band. And the, the Stony Book was pushing a lot of boundaries with the music that was playing there. And so it's really, really fitting that the Long Island Music Hall of Fame that's been around for over a decade, but has been looking for really the right place for a permanent home, it's now landed in Stony, in Brook. Stony Brook, one of the most amazing places for music. Now, that's not even to talk about the jazz loft in Stony Brook that does all this amazing jazz music and jazz festivals on the lawn and all different types of things. So this seems like just the perfect fit that this place should be there. Well, you know, Long Island was a breeding ground for rock and roll music back in the 70s. There were so many clubs that you could go to. Uh, the Action House in Island Park, uh, Hammerheads, uh, the Glen Cove Theater, the Long Island Arena. It, 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 a lot of the local bands from Long Island picked up a following. And, and so, the, so the, the people of Long Island also helped build this rock and roll mega force. That is so true. And, um, and I thank you so much for that credit because I was at all of those shows, <laughs> as I know you were. <laughs> I was at a, I have a major list of shows I've seen. We, we had it made. We I, had it made here. Yeah. We, I, I always say we were the luckiest people on earth to have grown up in the era we did on Long Island because if you love music, we were exposed to all the greatest music that there was. Everybody performed here. And now there's a place for us to go share that experience together and teach other generations of what it was like. Exactly. And, um, and tonight I met some amazing people. A lot of people um, have agreed to come on the show at some point and talk about their musical careers. So we're going to have to create a segment for the History Island show going forward that is going to be the Long Island Music Hall of Fame section of the show. And we'll try to get different great guests to come in and talk and tell their story. Their stories are really quite amazing, too. Um, one club I can't fail to mention is my father's place in old Roslyn. My father's place was a little place that only hold maybe 500 people. It originally was a bowling alley. Well, it actually was many things before that, but it had been a bowling alley. And it's a kind of a long story, but Epi Epstein and, uh, and his friend Richie Hirsch um, got went to the owner of the bowling alley who was now trying to present some music there, and they proposed that they book the acts and bring music in. Well, it soon became a full-fledged club, my father's place. It opened in 1971. The very first performer was the great folk, folky Richie Havens. Oh, and he played a sold-out show. And that was on May 31st, 71. But by 72, a new thing happened. Okay, the, my father's place was booking acts and they were booking all kinds of music. And then a, a new station came along, WLIR in Hempstead. And I'm sure a lot of you know, it's a very famous story. Dennis McNamara and his group, um, I particularly knew Earl Bailey, and, and sorry for the names I'm not mentioning, but there's a movie made about them. They came out and became kind of an alternative station. And they worked with LIR to book live concerts and broadcast them on the radio. And they were so influential that they affected radio programming all across the United States. And they started a new era in broadcasting. So all these new bands that came along were all playing at my father's place, 
recording Tuesday night concerts in the ultrasonic recording studio in Hempstead and on and on and on. I know one of the bands, that, um, one of the very first shows when they came over to the States from England via LIR was The Police. And, uh, and they played at my father's place. That was one of the very first places they played. Yes, in fact, I know a little bit about that tour. And that was a, um, The Police tr- had put out the album with the song Roxanne. And their record company in England would not... Um, Give them a promotional tour of the United States. So what they did is they did it themselves. They were the roadies. They went around. They had a van with their equipment. They lived in cheap hotels. And they did a two-week tour of America playing in universities and clubs. Um, I, as a young man, was lucky enough, thanks to Dennis McNamara and the staff at LIR, to happen to have gone to that show. Oh, wow. And... um, and there's actually a picture of me sitting in the front row um, in the My Father's Place book. There's how was, how book. was the energy of their first tour? The energy was amazing. We sat there and we watched their show. And every song their guitar player would change the settings on his guitar. And he would sound like a different kind of guitar player. And they were kind of punky and rocky um sting was playing a fretless bass and he had a real punky attitude because they were almost a punk band in england that's right they'd been together for a couple of years but when the show was over i was there with my friend and my brother and we looked at each other and we still can't remember which one said it but one of us said my god these guys are nobody and i just feel like i've seen one of the major bands in music and sure enough, in the next year or two, the police became a massive, giant success. Top, top-notch band. Top-notch band. And to get to see them in a little place like that was just the most amazing thing. Um, now, again, my father's place had a list of people that played there that was would just blow your mind. Just in 72, Blois the Cult, of course, all Long Island guys in the Music Hall of Fame also. Todd Rundgren played there. Um, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, the great the uh, blues artists, the great blues artists, um, Glass Harp, the band Flash. Soon, and by '73, they were going to having shows all the time. Um, I saw Manfred Mann's Earth Band there. They were a great, great band. I, I saw Ed Guinta play there for the first time. All right, and Ed I know Gwinter. his brother Johnny played there many times. Yes, Johnny, I saw there many times. One of the greatest guitar players ever. Um, so anyway, uh, hey, you know what? Let's take a break for a second. Let's go back to the scene. Hey, Larry Farrell, how's it going over there? Boys, the cult is getting ready to bring to play, and um, I have with me Ernie Canadeo. He and he's with um, the, the chairman of the of the, of the Long Island Museum, uh, Long Island Music and Entertainment Hall of Fame. So hold on, here he is. Hey, Ernie, how you doing there? Doing amazing. Incredible night. Welcome to the History Island Show. We're very proud of you guys. You have really pulled off an amazing feat with this opening of the museum. I'll tell you, it's just it's been a dream for many years, and it, it finally came through. And I think everyone is, is amazed that we built this on Long Island, and it's a tribute to all Long Island musicians, and soon we're expanding into entertainment. So it's, it's pretty incredible. We had a great night tonight. Uh, Zebra just ended a performance. Now some of the guys from Blue Oyster Cult are on stage. 
and it's just been fantastic. Wow, that's great, Ernie. Um, yeah, that, I'm very proud of you guys because I know without you, this never could have happened. And it's been a long road to get to this point to have this wonderful home. Yep, it's been unbelievable. But I invite everyone to come down uh, and just enjoy our club crawl through the 60s through the 80s. You'll find it amazing. And then our Hall of Fame, we have memorabilia from 120 of our inductees. And, and I think everyone will be very, very impressed. Bring your friends. It's a great way to spend an afternoon. Our grand opening is this Friday at 12 noon. And we're having special appearances throughout this Thanksgiving weekend. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, 12 to 5 every day. And what are we going to be open? Wednesday through Sundays, it's right? Opening, right, right. So the grand opening is Friday. But after that, we're, so we're obviously open Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then going forward, we're open Wednesday through Sundays, except for major holidays. Okay, great. Hey, Ernie, go back and enjoy Blue Oyster Cult, and thanks for everything. Yeah, you... Blue Oyster Cult just started. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to go. Thank you very much. Thank and you, Ernie. Welcome, everyone, to come down and see us. You'll have a blast. That sounds Thanks right to me. Thank you so much. Oh, that was an that's great Ernie uh, by the way for our audience members who don't know he's one of the board members and one of the founders of this Hall of Fame and he has kept this vision alive him and Norm the two main creators with another large board also who we'll talk about more in the future but Ernie is one of the reasons that this is here a real music fan a guy who has really devoted a lot of time and energy to making this amazing thing happen I think there's going to be a lot of diversity as well at, at this museum. You're going, to, you're going to hear a lot of different types of Long Island artists. Yeah, like, for example, uh, EPMD is an uh, uh, inductee into the Hall of Fame. Uh, great rap, uh, you know, uh, group. And um, they're going to perform there at times, and they're, in fact, there tonight. Um, so um, many different people showed up. You have Deborah Gibson there hanging out tonight. You have um, Jen Chapin and her mom, Sandy, of course, Harry's wife and daughter. Um, Jen's going to come on the show soon and talk about an event that they're doing. Um, you have people from Country Joe and the Fish when you go back to the 60s. Um, you have, of course, everyone from Zebra there. They just played a set, Blue Oyster Cult. Guys from the Vanilla Fudge. Was Twisted Sister represented at all? Yes, they were. Uh, D. Snyder, of course, who everybody knows, the big guy from there. Couldn't be there. He's out of out of the country right now on a vacation. But uh, a couple of the other guys were there. And we're going to see them performing there, too. They're highly represented at the museum. The original background that they used to have behind their stage in the early days is an exhibit in the museum now. So anyway, we're getting to the end of our show. Now, listen. If you people love music and you love music of any era, this is a must-see place to go. Um, if you're a one like us, kids from the 60s or 70s or such, well, you need to go check this place out. It'll bring back some memories. And when you see the facade of my father's place or hammerheads in the displays, it'll bring you back. And... Um, so anyway, uh, we uh, had a fun show tonight, um, and um, interesting, we have um, some- Little carfuffle out there. Little scuffle out in the uh, airport outside our studio, yeah? <laughs> and um, 
And it's pretty serious scuffle anyway, but we're locked into the studio here. <laughs> we got protection. We got Janet here. <laughs> yes, people. You never know what you're going to see in this world today. <laughs> um, let's see if we can go back to Larry with a minute left. See if Larry has anything more to report for us. He's, Larry's gone? We might have lost Larry. Yeah, well, I know what happened. Larry is dancing in a circle listening to Blois the call right now. So um, anyway, I encourage you all, go on down, check the place out. You're going to hear a lot more about it on this show as time goes on. Um, and if you do come down to visit, you can always come and look for me because I also am a tour guide for the museum and I go down there at least a day or two a week. So come and say hello if you've listened to the show and come on down and I'll show you around and show you some great exhibits. There's more things than I could ever cover on this show. Listen, thanks for coming, everybody. Uh, remember, our proud sponsor is Gino's Pizza, Portion Road in Lake Grand Concoma, voted the number one pizza place two years in a row. And we're going to have more about them next week, too. We're going to have a couple of guys from Gino's on to talk about some of the recipes they've been developing. Anyway, thank you, Robert, for coming tonight. My pleasure. Um, thank you to Jana, my research director, and John, my producer, in the studio. Thanks, everybody. This is History Island on 103.9 LI Radio. And, of course, I'm your host, Dale Spencer. And we're not going to be on again for a couple of weeks because the Islanders are going to preempt us. But we will see you in December for our Christmas Spectacular. Good night. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.